Uh, last night we talked about God is good, about God is great, talked about him being gracious and glorious, we talked about God is love. Give me some more characteristics of God, just, just shout them out there. He is truth. Just. He is just. Holy. Holy. Faithful. Wrathful. Peace. Wrathful. Loving. Loving. Wise. Wise. Wisdom. Good. Unwavering. Unwavering. With you. He's a healer. Healer. Patient. Sovereign. Patient. A shepherd. Lion and lamb. Lion and lamb. Gardener. Gardener. Without fault. Merciful. Yes. Someone, we got, someone dropped a thing of pencils back there, so I just want to acknowledge it because I found that everyone's thinking it, like, what is that noise? And sometimes it's just good to acknowledge it and then we can move forward. So just one pencil drop moment. And then we all can say. <laughs> We're all thinking, awkward. Will has a great shirt on today. It says, awkward is awesome. This is an awesome moment for us all. Good. Faithful, true, just, loving. Give me a few more. Sovereign. Mighty. Mighty. True. Exalted. Provider. A provider. Yeah. A defender. Gracious. A defender. Rich. Rich. Holy. Yeah. Holy. Good, I think that's a good list. That's good. Is anyone writing those down? <laughs> Refuge. Jealous. Jealous from yeah. Now think of some of these characteristics, some Someone who is utterly true. Someone who is utterly unwavering. Someone who pours out uh, perfect and infinite wisdom. Someone who is a refuge. Someone who is good and great and gracious and glorious. Don't you want to be with that being? Like when we think of it that way, I think that's one of the important things of seeing these characteristics of God through Scripture and seeing His character hold up throughout the story of God through Scripture is it's, it's meant to draw us to Him so that we would see that, like, man, no, I want to be with the one who is a pure light. I want to be with the one who is perfect love. I want to be with the one that will be in unwavering refuge and security for me. I want to I want to spend time with this being. And so often we we think of these things in a mere headspace without acknowledging that like no this is like persons, father, son and spirit, persons, community, God to be with to experience their that character and power within our own life. Think for a second. If you can meet any like human in the world, living right now, we'll do living, not the living or dead one, just to narrow it down. 
like maybe it's a celebrity or a person like who is this person that you would be like man if i could meet this person or like spend a day with this person grab lunch with this person think about it for a second and, and who would it be Bunny with the unibrow. Yeah, to spend an afternoon with the bunny with the unibrow. You don't have to say it out loud. Um, but maybe there's a, maybe there's this, maybe there's people or persons you think, man, it would be cool to like. And it's usually because they they've done something, they've accomplished something. Like maybe you're into film, and you're like, man, I really would want to meet this director because I want to just chat through with them or whatnot. Uh, maybe you know uh, you're into fashion. There's a designer you would love to meet, or you're really into cars, and so you know I don't know what it is. It's sports. Maybe there's an athlete. Some of you are really into music and concerts and whatnot. You're like, man, if I could meet this person in this band and whatnot, that it would just be. And, it, and it's it's something about this person. Usually their accomplishments, something they've done, that is just like, man, if I could get confession. Went to the Jonas Brothers concert at Tacoma <laughs> Now, I had never even, like, I didn't know any of their songs. I'm not, like, I was, like, this Lifer Flan fan. But I'll get there. Easy. But my sister, she had, she was a fan, and she had watched, and I didn't think, I, I just, everyone's like, sure, sure, we know you have Jonas Brothers underwear on right now. Like, you got a Nate Jonas tattoo. I still get jealous. Like, I, and I already confessed to the concert, so easy, people. So my, my sister, she, she, for her birthday, she's like, I just want to go to the Jonas Brothers with my siblings, because she had watched the Jonas Brothers documentary, and it was like this uh, heartwarming sibling story. I haven't seen it. This guy come up and seen it. She said she cried through and stuff. She's like, and I just want to have like this sibling moment, whatever. So I was like, I'll go with you. I don't know their songs, but so I was like, I'm going to start listening. I listened to the new album, Happiness Begins. And that album was popping. I was like, yeah. So then I was getting pumped for the concert because I was into all the songs. And, um, but I go there. <laughs> I go there and I, I didn't know that much about Jones Brothers. I knew it was like a boy band and stuff. It was seriously 95% females in the place. Like, I was like, oh, this is insane. Saying, like, if you are a single guy in high school, just go to Jonas Brothers concerts. And if you can't find a homecoming date there, then there's something off. It was so nuts. This, it was so nuts that they they closed down the, the men's restrooms and turned them into women's restrooms. And they only had two men's restrooms in the entire Tacoma Dome that remained men's restrooms. And only half of it remained a men's restroom, the urinal half. And so ladies could still go into the men's stalls in these two restrooms. So I literally like used the urinal with like this line of ladies watching. Awkward! Like, what is going on? This is all a true story. For the sake of the love of my sister. I don't get brother of the year stamp for this. I don't know. Concert was great though. So then, then it comes to that moment, you know, all the buildup, and now the Jonas Brothers are going to come out on the stage, 
And this Comodome is absolutely sold out. And when they came out on stage, the screaming <laughs> and complete adoration, and no other word did I describe it than worship, the place absolutely shook. And you could not hear one word of their entire first song because of the just screams. I was really concerned the whole concert was going to be that way because I'm like, I'm not even going to be able to hear the songs. Like, this is nuts. Um, it, it, it got lowered down. But for the entire first song, the screams are just, just so loud that through the song, and I just looked around, and, and here's what I noticed. In that room, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people with every ounce of their being, with every bit of emotion that they have, longed to be with the Jonas Brothers. Right? To be with them. To be in their presence. To share this moment with them. To sing their songs with them. They, they wanted to be with them. Badly. To be in that room. And I thought, man... Do, do us as followers of Jesus even have half the desire, half that desire to be with Jesus? Do, do, do when we gather as saints to come around God's presence and, and to come around his prayer and to come around words, do we have near the expectation that was in that room to hear these songs sung by these three guys? Do we have near that expectation? We have this longing to be, to be with Jesus in this type of way. And the thing is, is we can very quickly list off a list of characteristics of God, but ask ourselves, are we really truly believing these? Like, if we really believe that he is sovereign, that he is good, that he is just this pure, unapproachable light that... That, that he is unwavering and steadfast, that he is a refuge, that these times that we're suffering and sorrow, that he is an absolute refuge and security. Like we're deeply believing that he alone is perfect love, is this perfect love that can cast out fear. If we deeply believe that he is truth, that in him there is no waver, that, that in him there's no shadow, like there's no shadow or darkness, no shadow side, no thing that is just broken or off, but it's just Pure and good and light shining in a darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. If we believe that he is that, wouldn't we just long and long and long to be in his presence? That when we are struggling, that we would long to come to him for refuge. That we, when darkness is pushing back into us, we would long to step into his light that cast away darkness in our life. That when we are feeling broken or hurting, we want to step towards the healer who completely and holistically heals us inside and out emotionally, spiritually, and physically? Wouldn't we want to be with him and just long for him to touch us and touch our neighborhood and our city? I think we have to often confess that Jonas Brothers fans are better worshipers than we are. They, they, they long to be with their God more than we long to be with ours. 
And not that everyone there is worshiping the Jonah Brothers. I'm going to go that extreme. Well, I just like the music. I just like the music. Some good songs in there. Happiness begins. John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says, says this. I am the vine. This is Jesus talking about himself. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I, I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the vine. I am the source of all life. I am the source of all the, all the nutrients that you need, everything you need to grow, everything that you need to flourish, everything that you need to thrive. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hashtag nailed it. Jesus is the one. He is that vine. And we are the branches merely connected to him. He who abides in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do. Apart from me, you can do. Apart from Jesus, you can do. Man, think about that for a second. Do you believe that? Man, if we're, if we're believing that deep down, how do we wake up in the morning so often and just go, here's my plan for the day. Here's what I'm going to do today. Here's the stuff I'm going to accomplish today. This is. What I'm going to do, this is what I got to do. I'll do this, 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 I got this, I got this list, and that list, and this list. Here I go. Right now we wake up and go, you know what? I can't do a single thing today without Jesus. Like I am dependent today. Apart from him, I can do nothing today. Nothing. No impact in my life, my workplace. No fruits of the spirit. Love. and like, Who doesn't want love and joy and peace and patience? In their life. How, how are you going to get that? Not apart from him. Not apart from him. Apart from me you can do. And you see how if we believe that. Then all of a sudden this longing to be with him. Is, if we're going to learn to be with Jesus together. The first thing that has to happen. Is we have to want to be with him. Right? We're going to learn to be with him. If we have no desire to be with him. Well, I want to hammer home last night like these four characteristics of God. Like if those are true, don't you want to be with Him? Don't you want to be? It has to start there with the seeing it. Man, I want to be with Him because apart from Him, I can do nothing. Apart from Him, I have nothing. Apart from Him, I'm I am nothing. But with Him, we can bear much fruit. And I love this picture because, I mean, how do you guys, if you watch plants, it looks like they're really struggling to get fruit out, right? Like, yeah, they just like, like banana, you know, like, <laughs> it's not how it, not how it looks, right? There's this opening up, the leaves opening up to the sun. And they're just going to stay there. The roots go down. They're pulling nutrients and water and hydration from the ground. The leaves are opening up to the sun. And in this kind of just 
slow, almost if you're not watching carefully, unnoticeable process, this plant begins to bear fruit. This is what so much of the Christian life is like. As we learn to depend on Christ more and more, opening up to his love and his truth and his grace, rooting ourselves in word and the gospel and in, 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 in his community, we begin to bear fruit, both just in our own hearts and souls and then in the lives around us. And to the outsider, it often can look near effortless because the life is coming from him, abiding. Do you want this? Do you desire this? Uh, Exodus 33, a guy named Moses. Exodus 33, verses 12 through 16. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by, my, by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, this is God's response to him, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Side note. God's presence gives us rest. God's presence gives us rest. And as you become, you're just feeling tired. Coming into this weekend, just I just feel tired. I just feel burnt out. I just feel oh. God's presence gives you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And so if we backtrack to the story, God is saying, all right, time to leave Sinai, time to start heading towards this promised land, this promised land that we promised to your descendants, that, that starting with Father Abraham and his descendants, we have promised, time for you to lead those people, the people that you've led out of slavery, the people that you've led across the Red Sea, the people that you've led through the desert, it's time to now take them to the promised land, the land filled with milk and honey, this land of goodness and greatness, this land that you've been longing for and waiting for. And I love what Moses says. He says this, well, if you're not going with me, who cares about the land? How many of us, our prayers are, God, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. Don't really care if you go with me. I just want these things. Just want this promotion. Or if I could just get married. Or if we could just have kids. Or if we could just get a better house. Or we could just get these things. God, just give us these. And it's fine to ask God for things. He invites us to ask God for things. But do you care about the things more than you care about Him going with you? For Moses, he says, I don't care about the promised land if you're not with us. What I want is you to be with me. Because if you're not with us, what is the point? That's what he says. I think we have to wrestle with this. What is the point of being a Christian if you are not walking with Jesus? What is the point of doing church if Jesus isn't at the center of it? If it's not to be with Jesus. 
How quickly does it just turn into a program, or entertainment, or a show, or a thing that you do on the schedule? If Jesus, if we're not being with Jesus, what's the point of our small groups? Our retreats, or any of the things. If it's not to be with Jesus, we must get that central to the point. To be with Jesus. That's why we planted this church and, and prayed and asked God, like, God, what are you what are you asking us to start? What are you asking us to plan? What do you what do you want us to do? And, and God gave us that vision of learning to be with him together. This idea of, man, if we are not with Jesus, I don't want to do any of this. I want to just are, don't you get tired of just playing church? Like, I don't want to play church anymore. I want to pee with a God who is the God of the Bible, who's transformative, who is powerful, who speaks and things come into existence, who brings light into darkness, who heals the broken. I want to, I want to do life with him. I have his power in and through me and in and through others around me. And that's what I know the leaders of Thrive want as well. It's, it's like we don't, we don't just, let's just, Watch Monday night football and then Thursday night football. Jesus isn't here, right? Like, seriously. If Jesus isn't... If, if we're not longing to seek Jesus as we gather together and thrive as young adults... Like, we want to see young adults whose lives are being transformed by Jesus. That's what your leaders are praying for. If they want to be with Jesus and, and go with Jesus into their workplaces and go with Jesus into their school places and go with Jesus into their apartment complexes... And learn, what does it look like to be with Jesus through all of life? So Moses says, forget it. I don't care about the promised land if you're not with us. And then he uses this term, so that we are distinct. And we have to confess. I think the American church has to confess that often it isn't God's witness that has made us distinct. The people aren't looking going, that these people are with Jesus, they love Jesus, they know Jesus, and that's what different is different about them. Often it's, well, they vote this way, that's what different about them. Well, they got bumper stickers that are usually pretty bad and corny. That's what's different about them. Right? That are just these other things that make us you know what what we want to what we want to make us distinct is that God is with us. I love Acts 4.13. Go with me to Acts 4.13. We just keep hammering home this idea of witness. Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They have recognized that they have been with you. Peter does completely ordinary, completely common, nothing that stood out about them. And when they saw them, they were astonished. And they knew, they knew, these men have been with Jesus. This is what is astonishing about them. Now, I want Thrive, Harbor Thrive, Kids Sabbath Church, we're planning local church. I want my life, our life, my kids' life. I want it to be astonishing. Because we've been of Jesus. To have such a flavor that Jesus called it this, salt and light. That we are to be salt and light. That we would be so distinct. That there, there wouldn't be any way we'd be able to leave our home, leave any space without there being some semblance 
some of that first Peter of, man, give us a reason for the hope that is within you. Right, how many of us, when's the last time someone just asked you, what, what is this hope that is within you? When's the last time someone asked you that? Has anyone ever in your life asked you that? Why not? Why has it been so long? Why has it been a while? I'll tell you why. Because we're not abiding in the one who gives hope. So we don't actually aren't living with any more hope than, the, than a non-believer. But if we learn to be with the one who, when we are with him, showers us with promises. Now, can you imagine that? Just imagine spending time creating the universe and him just saying, you're bringing your worries, you're bringing concerns, you're bringing your hurts, and he just says, man, I love you. I know this is hard, but one day I am going to wipe away every tear. And thank you for bringing me this concern, this hurt. I want you to know that I am working in that situation, and you don't see all the details, you don't see how, but man, can you look back at the story of God? Can you look back at what I've done in your life and know that I'm working here and it's going to be good? He says, look, I'm with you. I know that you turn on the news and there's war and famine. You know that, I, that I'm a good God, that I'm in control. And I see this and it breaks my heart. And I'm weeping and, and, I'm, and I'm hurting for it. And I have a plan to come back and make all things new. Do you know that even when it looked like there was no hope, that when, when the most hopeless situation in the history of the universe, when... When God in the flesh came as man and, and he was hung up on a cross and he was crucified and he was buried and he was in the darkest of times and it looked like there's no hope left. This, this healer, this person who is just such so true, this person that was just filled with love is now dead. This one that was going to save when it, when things looked utterly hopeless, when there was no other time in the history of all of humanity where things looked more hopeless. We were hours away from her, him bursting forth from the grave and bringing about the greatest hope that we have ever known. And God, is he spending time with us, telling us, man, if I can bring hope through Jesus' crucifixion, then imagine the hope I can bring through your situation. Imagine spending time with a God who just is reminding us of this all the time. Power of the resurrection. I know you feel powerless in this situation, but I have raised men from the dead. I have defeated sin, Satan, and death. Man, do you think that, that when you're struggling with hopelessness and you spent time with that God and started having those conversations with him and started listening to his scripture speak those truths to you, that you might leave filled with a little more hope? Now I'm feeling more hopeful just walking through with you guys right now. Does that give you a little more hope? Like we worship this God of hope. As we learn to be with him, we're going to experience more hope. Hope is a nice emotion. It's positive. All for it. Man, don't you want to be with him? We start talking about this. It's like, what? We forget. That's our problem. We forget what being with him is like. Get what's being with him is like, and so we put it off. Notice we might do our devotions, but it's not with him. Go to church is not with him. We've just learned, like, okay, I, 
I check this box off. It's the difference between the dad that picks up their kids and takes them out and says, all right, go play. And the dad that brings the football, plays catch with the kids, is tackling the kids, is wrestling the kids, is climbing up, playing tag with them. Which one is with? Which one is experiencing withness? So many times with our relationship with God, we're, we're, we, we have that type of relationship. We think he's that kind of distant God. We're like, all right, well, I'm here. I'll go off, I guess, to do my thing. And I think some of those things are in the Bible. But you have this father that says, no, I'm here. I want to be with you. I want to recreate. I want to play. I want to joke with you. I want to just... Let's do this together. He wants to be with you. Learning to be with Jesus together. What is a big enemy of this practice of withness? Um, we talked about some of them yesterday. I want to talk about a big one right here in this session. Oh, I think a major enemy is hurry. Hurry. That we can get addicted to hurry. That we can take on so many different things. And just even when there's nothing to be in a hurry about, you can get in this physical posture of a life of hurry. If you ever done that, you're just kind of like rushed, get the clothes on, get this, get go, this is. And you don't even have anything you're hurrying to, you're just hurry, hurry, hurry. And so your Bible time often just looks the same. Okay, I gotta get the devotions done, Acts 4 13. Uh, this is going to be with him, astonished. Okay, I should journal that. Astonished, boom, go. You gotta get the next thing. Breakfast, coffee, drive the car, and just everything is hurry, 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 hurry. Uh, there's a pastor author. His name's John Mark Comer. He's got a book coming out this weekend, uh, and the title, I love the title, is the ruthless elimination of hurry. The ruthless elimination of hurry, and. I think the thesis, the thesis of the book is this idea that when we read the Gospels, you don't much, you don't much get a picture that Jesus is in a big hurry, do you? Right? You just don't. Like in the boat during the storm, sleeping. No hurry to calm the storm, just sleeping. Right? And Lazarus is sick. Your friend Lazarus is sick. Hurry up and get there. Yeah, we're going to take our time. Hey, Jesus is really busy. Don't let kids come to him. Don't let this sick lady touch him. Don't let, like, he's, he's busy. He's got things to do. We're in a hurry. We're in a rush. No, 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 no. No hurry here. Let the kids come. Let the kids come. Let the kids play. Hey, did you touch me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Oh, you, were you sick? What happened? Are you feeling better now? All right, okay, well, let's talk about it. Let's pray for you. Let's do it. It's going through. Okay? Yeah, I was on my way to heal someone else, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm not in a hurry. This, well, you'll, this issue over here. Like, try to read the Gospels and enter the word hurry with Jesus. It's very difficult. In this book, there's, uh, John Comer talks about one of his mentors. Uh, describing to him, you know, how would you describe Jesus? And he said, in one word, relaxed. Mm 
Jesus was relaxed. And he practiced this witness in his meals. Like he slowed down to have meals with people. Isn't it amazing that one of the major parts of Jesus' ministry is eating with people? Somebody's like, how do I do mission? How do I be a witness? How do I evangelize? Like, I want to make disciples, but how? How do I do, how do, I do it? Eat with people. Slowly. <laughs> Slowly eat with people. Not in a hurry. Right? Sit at a table and listen. Neat. How are you doing? What's your life about? What's going on? This is how Jesus did ministry. And he did it with tax collectors and sinners and drunk. The religious people were just like, what the heck is he doing? Like, he should be doing official religious stuff. <laughs> right? And instead he's just eating with a bunch of drunks and embezzlers. Yep. That's mission. That's why Jesus did mission. Real slowly. Ate and chatted. Walked. Walked everywhere. There's another title of a book. It's called The Three Mile Per Hour God. I believe it's by a Japanese theologian. About when you walk, you walk at three miles per hour. And then he was just this God that walked everywhere. Again, driving home the point, he wasn't in a hurry. He could sit, stand with people, and just walk with them. If we look at the territory that Jesus covered through walking and through his ministry, and compared it to what ministry success is today, we would just look at it and be like, what a failure. No plane rides, no jet speaking, no, no uh, like Facebook Live videos so he can just hit the whole globe and whatnot. Like he's just walking with people in these real small towns. Very unspectacular stuff. A bit like just walk, going on walks with people in Gift Harbor, going on walks with people in Bradenton. Just walking around with people, talking to them, listening to them. Not in a hurry. Another word for that is present. He was present. Research shows that just, just about 30 years ago, 90s, 80s, 90s, the average meal time for a family, the average time uh, a family would spend around the table together would be just a little under 90 minutes a day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that sit together as a family, Share a meal, chat, talk, make the meal together. And it, it was a little under, under 90 minutes a day was the average. The average today is about six minutes a day. Let that hit. That's the average day for families. Six minutes a day. Why? Kids got to be in youth sports. Kids got to have five extracurricular activities. Got to learn three instruments, being two plays, being honors classes. Both parents have to have multiple jobs, working overtime, double overtime. Got to have the next thing, got to have the next thing. We'll talk about some of that more tonight. Almost 90 minutes, six minutes. And when I remember first hearing that stat, and I thought, how true is that of the church? How, how has our communion changed? I don't, I don't have the statistics or the average, but 
if you imagine if human beings are now spending that much time around the table, how much time are we spending around the table, even just the way we practice communion, this example uh, of how much time are we being with Jesus, just in his presence, around the time? Like, if we can't be present in human families, are we able to be present with him in an unhurried way? Why do we hurry? Uh, ask yourself this. I want you to wrestle with this, especially today. Why do you hurry? Like, really wrestle with, contemplate. What makes you hurry? Here's how it often happens for most of us. We're hearing this right now, and you're like, okay, yeah, I don't want to be in a hurry anymore. But I've got to get past this. So I'll just keep living this hurried life for about two more months, and then when this thing is done, <laughs> then we'll deal with changing the pace of life. But here's the problem. There's always another this. There's always a one more thing that wants to take all of your time and energy and direct attention now. It'll always be there. All your work, it's always there the next day, isn't it? Always there the next day. Get one thing fixed, I'm a homeowner. It's like I get like somewhat caught up and then like four things break. It'd be like, two things fixed? Yeah. Oh, Laugh, five things just broke. Son of a, like, key things. Always, we're still living in the fall and the curse. Why do you hurry? Second question to wrestle with. How can you eliminate hurry to be with Jesus? How can you eliminate hurry to be with Jesus? Here's one reason I think we hurry. I think we hurry because we are always trying to be everywhere. And that is what the, the lie that technology has promised us is you can be everywhere all of the time. You don't have to miss out. We have a term for not missing out now, right? FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Like, no, we got to be everywhere all the time. Here's the problem. If you are trying to be everywhere all of the time, you will lose the ability to be anywhere at any time can't be anywhere. One of the reasons we named our church Local Church is as we were praying about starting this and planting this thing, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I feel like he was saying like humans need to learn to be local again. And we try, we have the whole globe at our fingertips now, right? Can just be anywhere in a flash. Check it in the internet. Boom. Get, I'm updated here. I can get a live satellite view. Look at this. But we have lost the art of being local, of being present, of being here. We might be able to be everywhere, but none of us know how to be here anymore. And this isn't a problem just out in the world. This is in the church as well. What does it look like to be local, to be here, to be present? I'm going to talk about four types of presence, and we'll close. There's four different types of presence. The first is not present. Also be called distracted. Right? How many of you hung out with friends and you're just like, they are not here. Not here at all, right? How many of you have hung out with friends and you've been the person that's not there? Right? You know, you're just like, oh, I'm so hi, I'm the douche right now. Right? That's me. I don't know if that's a broad acceptable word, sorry. 
Not present. Not present. Here's another type of present. Second type of present. Selfishly present. Okay. You're present so you can talk about you. Right? Hey, how's it going? You want to talk about me? I want to talk about me. Here's the things I'm going on. Here's what's struggling. Here's what's going on. Did I tell you how good I'm doing this? How good I'm doing that? I'm doing this, 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 this. You ever left a conversation with someone and you're like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> right? Like, I didn't, like, how are you? Good, now let's talk about me. Okay. Right? Selfishly present. Selfishly present. We need, we need to have compassion on those that are selfishly present. They're longing. They're longing for something, right? Imagine how many people were selfishly present with Jesus, and he loved them, had compassion on them, deeply. But we need to be careful that we're not falling into selfish presence. Third type of presence is presence. You're present with others. This is available to all human beings. Right? So you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to be a good friend that can be present to others, right? It can be us. We have people that don't give a rip about Jesus, not interested at all, are great friends. When you're with them, you're with them, right? I have friends and family like that, love spending time with them. They're always present. Here's the fourth type of present. This, this presence is... Hey, gracias. This presence is... Only available to followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and it's sacred presence. Sacred presence. A sacred presence is this: it is when you are present to God in His personhood and His love, and you are present to others. So, when you are present to others, you are present in a supernatural way. You are present in a way that God. And his sacredness, his goodness, his holiness is able to work in and through you to them. It is a prayerful presence. It is a posture of listening both to what's going on in their life and also listening to God. God, what, what do you want to do here? What are you saying here? What does your word say to maybe this situation? How can I pray for you? And you're actually, how many of you guys... Someone shares something with you, are like, yeah, I'll pray for you. You got it. Praying for it sometime. And you never pray for it, right? Has anyone done that? Done the Sony time? What it looked like to start being like, let me pray for you. Like now. Like now? Like now? Like we're kind of in McDonald's. We're not in a, yeah, 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 now. Let's pray for you now. Let's stop. What does God want to say now? How can I encourage you now? How can I pray with you now? How many of you, you've experienced sacred presence through someone else? Man, it means so much, doesn't it? When someone is present with God and with you, like, is there anything that tastes better than that? The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, there are times where I'm just dying for someone to be present with me in that heart. Get this. Father, Son, and Spirit always available for sacred presence. It's powerful, unique when it comes through another human, God's presence through them, that sacred presence, such a gift. But man, we, we, we can abide in that at any moment as followers of Jesus. His spirit indwells us. As we are transformed by God's presence, we become a transforming presence to others. That's what witness does. 
say that again. As we are transformed by God's presence, we become a transforming presence to others. We begin to be able to bring sacred presence into the world around us. And that is a gift. Which presence best describes you? Do you find yourself not present? Do you find yourself selfishly present? Do you find yourself present? You're a good friend, you're present to others, but you're not present to God in those scenarios? What does it look like for you to take steps towards sacred presence in your own life and life of others? Who are people that give you sacred presence so you can go and just thank them? Say, man, thank you. You've been present with me in a way where I've sensed God's presence. Encourage them. Thank them. Pray for them. Jesus alone is perfectly present to you. No human will ever fill that void. Jesus, when he sent out the Great Commission, said, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He is with us always. That is the type of witness he brings. Amen? Amen. We pray, and I'm going to give us some homework. And Jesus, we confess. We, we can miss out on your presence and being presence to others. We do it so easily. We confess we're weak to all the different distractions that are out in the world now, Lord. That we actually, we have a 24 to 7 distraction at our fingertips. A way that we could be anywhere but here. We confess we often want to just numb ourselves and distract ourselves rather than be present. We confess, Lord, we can often fall into selfish presence when... When others are being selfishly present, our first thought is, man, they're being selfishly present. I don't want to be present anymore. Rather than having compassion. Or we confess we are often the one that is selfishly present. We have relationships that are completely one-sided. People only listening and pouring into us, and we never ask them or listen to them. Lord, we confess that often in our very best days, a mere human presence is what we can bring. But Jesus, we also confess that you love us. That you died on the cross to remove the separation. That our selfish and distracted presence brings. You remove that. And you say, enter into my presence. You give us a seat at the table. You slow down to be with us. Slow down from running the world, the universe, keeping... The scripture says that you uphold the universe by the word of your power. That the same being that upholds the universe by the word of his power slows down to be with us. Oh my goodness, God. Help us not take that for granted. Help us to long for that. To taste and see that you are good. Lord, I pray that thrive would be a place where when people walk in, they say, these people have been with Jesus. When people walk in, they would say, there is a sacred presence here that is astonishing. Let that flow out of the small groups and worship from the time someone steps in. This is just something distinct here. Help us to long for your presence, God, and not settle for less, not settle for substitutes. 
We don't want to play church. We want to be with Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious and good and gracious and glorious and true name. Amen. Amen. Amen.